Welcome to the Super Hot Bad Guy Podcast, where we discuss hot villains of any gender from any genre. This includes crime, drama, action, adventure, romance, and good old horror. We're your hosts, Eric Blake, Natasha Baptiste, and Markella Dykefest. And our guest today, Stevie Dieter. So as a quick intro, how did you meet Stevie? Well, I mean, we met officially just because we happen to live in Washington together, but um... I mean, a lot of people look up to her on Tumblr, so. (laughs) (laughs) What does that mean? Um, So, like, when we met in person at at a group, like, Hannibal appreciation setting, like, we all just kind of knew who she was already, (laughs) but she didn't know who I was. Cool. Um, Thanks for coming, unlike our last guest that I'm still not over, because I hold a lot of contempt and grudge. Judges against people. Did you get his business card? Uh, I still have their unresponded to messages on Tumblr. Um, We are recording at Natasha's, so right now her little puppy dog is chewing like a bone. It's like a, I don't know, some like milk thing. Okay. So it'll sound kind of like we're doing, like having construction done inside the apartment, except it's just the dog. Yeah. It's totally not human. Might. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We might bark. Um, Another change besides the amazing music that we're now adding to the podcast is um, I had a really great conversation with a very smart, helpful, intelligent uh, person who knew a lot about podcasting and suggested we just ditch the whole, hey, how are yous? Towards the beginning. So we can finally stop pretending to take interest in each other's lives. Yeah. <laughs> I had prepared a whole thing. Yeah. Can I just great. say, since nobody cares, I got to meet Dan Harmon. But Ooh. since we're not going to talk about that anymore, <laughs> it was amazing. That's it. I care about that. End of story. <laughs> um, okay, we're doing Hannibal. Yay. Um, Natasha, what? since you picked Hannibal, uh, Anthony Hopkins Hannibal, um, was there any specific reason why? Um, I just thought it would be a good one to do because it's kind of a classic, but, and I forgot, I forgot who it is still to this day, but I really like true crime and I know Buffalo Bill was like based off of, Yeah. if I'm thinking it's the right person that I know who it is. There's like three guys he was based off of. I don't. I know Ed Gaines, one of them. Yes. But it's, I like digging into true crime. Hannibal was actually based off a real person. Oh, What? Oh, I, can can never, I can never remember his name, but he was a doctor in Mexico, and, Han- oh, and Thomas Harris this. actually met him there, and this guy was basically what? in the prison in Mexico, and all of the other patients in the psychiatric hospital would come to him, and he would like basically lord it over them, and he was actually in there for killing his gay lover. Oh. It's, it's really creepy, because I'm thinking about Hannibal being a real person. And I know that it's without all the fluff, but just the fact that someone was out there kind of being, like, the prison, like, go-to guy is just kind of powerful and creepy by itself. It's creepy, yeah. Um, rewatching The Silence of the Lambs was very, very true con- true crime-esque. Yeah. And, like, listening to a lot of true crime, like, it's not so much, like, what they do is horrible, but, like, getting to know who they were as a person, it's like, that's creepy. How they fit in... Even Hannibal, I mean, honestly, I feel like they made him way creepier in the movie, because, like, this is not real. Like, this person would give anybody the creeps. I don't care how much money you have. But it was just, (laughs) it was cool to, like, I don't know. They focused more on, like, him being, like, the sophisticated, even how he cooked humans would be, like, how cooking would be in a fine dining. Um, Just to backtrack a little bit, Stevie, do you want to say anything about, like, since you're our guest, like, 
how you got into Hannibal, like anything about... So I have a long history with the Harris Verse. I remember watching Manhunter when I was in my teens on cable television. You're such a cool teenager. Um, <laughs> in fact, I remember when CSI started and being really surprised that William Peterson's character was not Will Graham because he was obviously playing Will Graham. <laughs> um, so Will Graham has long been my favorite character in that whole universe. I saw Silence of the Lambs when I was in college in the theater and I'm still to have trauma from walking back in a dark alley after the movie. Uh, I remember when Hannibal the novel came out and I actually remember abandoning it because somebody spoiled me on what happened at the end and I was like, I don't want to read uh-huh. that. I remember when Hannibal Rising came out. I didn't see it. Uh, I remember I wanted to love Red Dragon. I wanted to love it so much. The, uh, the movie. movie. Yeah. Uh, and then I remember when they said they were making a TV show and I'm like, why are they making a TV show? And then they said, well, it's being done by Brian Fuller, Pushing Daisies. And I'm like, okay, I'm in. And I came back to the Harris first and I fell in love with it again. That's fantastic. Because I just, like, I know you from being a fan of the television series. And I literally, like, when I was thinking about, I figured I could get a guest for this episode. And I was on Tumblr that day and I was already kind of thinking if there was anybody who likes the show a lot that I could ask. And I was going through my dash random and you were answering, someone asked you like, hey, which, or no, they just, they they asked like, do you like Hannibal or Will better? And you went into like all the movies and all the book versions. And I was like, oh, you know what? Maybe I should have just got an after. <laughs> and I'm glad you did because I'm happy to be here. Yay. And I will try not to only talk about the television show version. I watched, um, when I rewatched the Hannibal film from 2001, I went into this like head on like full Oh my god, I missed the show so much, and I was like listening to the I little, missed like, other movies so much. Four. Yeah. Oh, it's like, oh. Any yeah. other movie but that? Uh, yeah, I mean, it just, yeah. <laughs> All right. So. I would watch that again before Snow White and, <laughs> no, and, and Huntsman. Actually, no less. I would too. Things I would actually watch Hannibal again over there. And then uh, 102 Dalmatians. That's mm. another on the list. You guys didn't have to suffer through that like I did. Um... <laughs> So, first off, Anthony Hopkins's Hannibal Lecter, in general, let's describe his appearance. Well, if we're going to talk about a stress, are we going to talk about him in Silence of the Lambs when he's in the onesie? Or are we going to talk about him in Red Dragon with the ponytail? I think that, I think that you're... Back to the onesie. I was going to say, whatever comes to your comes out of your mouth first, I guess, is the most what's most important to you. So the onesie. Isn't he wearing like a white, like a tight white shirt? Or yeah. Something? Yeah. And it's tight. And it's tight. Yeah, yeah, it is like a, it's a onesie, but it's like a shirt and pants. Almost. Yeah, I think it's a like... shirt and pants. And I think in my mind, because of the TV show, I've replaced it with a onesie. In I my pictured mind. him in a little onesie. <laughs> <laughs> it almost seems like painters... Yeah, yeah, but just you're right. With the number but on. he does. It is like pants and a shirt, right? Yeah, he is wearing like short sleeve, and he's wearing like a button down. It's definitely thing at one button point. down. I just realized that ponytail in Red Dragon is because he's younger. It's like, <laughs> oh. Yeah. Okay, Stevie, you're the expert. When is Red Dragon set? What so years? the original version, I want to say, was eighties. So he had a, that ponytail in the 80s? Yeah. I remember specifically in my notes, I'm not going to check it because I know what I said. It's like, I 
do have some sort of an attraction to Anthony's Hannibal. I, I should stop saying Anthony's ha- Hannibal because I'm like trying to preface it as if I'm not trying to talk about the show. So Hannibal. You are not trying yeah, to talk yeah. about the show. Hannibal. So <laughs> Hannibal. Um, he's like a older, bigger man. And he has like greasy, caked greasy hair. And it's pulled back into a ponytail. And I'm not. And his skin is all red. And I am not into. I'm upset. <laughs> it's up the ponytail is upsetting to me my my issue with red dragon one of my many issues with red dragon is they just i don't know they just said go eat up all of the scenery no you're just <laughs> supposed to eat the food you're not supposed to eat all the scenery anthony hopkins so yeah he's a little too i feel like too much on the canty part of hannibal as opposed to the remember that cool thing you improvised now force it. I always thought his performance in the silence of the lambs was hammy I, I, I feel like not a lot of people agree with me, but I I got that vibe when I was rewatching it. And um, I think that out of the three films, his hammy personality fits best in Red Dragon because his dialogue isn't as cringy and as shitty as in Hannibal. But I, I did have some issues with The Silence of the Lambs. Um, anything else about his appearance? I like that we did this one because we did kind of have a couple of attractive people there for a second. So it's good to go back to... Someone that is like, the character's really sexy and advanced, and then they tried to make him Jason in Hannibal, but mm-hmm. then they went back to, oh, he's just sophisticated in the mind. He, I, did, yeah. he did have some nice suits in Hannibal. He did have some nice And I feel like the 2001 Hannibal, that's the only time where, at my age, like, to me, like, that's what Anthony Hopkins looks like. When I go back and I watch The Silence of the Lambs, he does look a little bit younger than what I'm used to. And if you see pictures of Anthony Hopkins at a younger age, he is an ultimately gorgeous guy. He has huge, dark hair and beautiful eyes. and his I think he's gorgeous. Um, the Sense of the Lambs, I just don't like guys with slicked back hair, period. Um, <laughs> and then in Red Dragon, especially towards the... Well, yeah, no, the whole thing. He tried to make him look younger by making his eyes darker and sparkly. He has a little sparkle in his eyes. I don't know how they did that, but... That's just acting. Lighting. Anthony Hopkins yeah. is that good. And now and do that, it with the okay. sparkle in your so eyes. So not to make it about the show again, but there was actually one of the commentaries where they were talking about how the guy who does the lighting would actually make sure to take the light out of Mass Mickelson's eyes in some of the scenes so they would be darker and yeah. more Ooh. scary. In the commentary, one of the guys was like, oh, I just thought that Mass did that. I just thought he was... That. Yeah, he's obviously <laughs> yeah. joking, but it was just like the, the exact opposite of that. <laughs> but I know the... exactly what you're talking about. I remember <laughs> looking at one of the scenes in Red Dragon and being like, why are they making his eyes so bright and poppy? It's just mm-hmm. wrong. Did you see the post on Tumblr that was about like whoever comes in contact with Mads, they're just like... Oh, yeah. <laughs> Fighting for the, his hand in marriage or yes. something. Like, no matter who. Um, all right. I guess we can start with The Silence of the Lambs and go from there. He's not in that film a great deal. It's 18 minutes. Yeah. That's more than Darth Vader in Star Wars. That's though. fair. And we see his face. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I never knew until I was doing my research that Anthony Hopkins wasn't really a thing until this movie. Oh yeah, I just assumed that he was. Yeah, I I saw I saw this movie first out of like any of the other films, and I was probably like fourteen, fifteen. I actually think I'm lame, and I think I saw the Silence of the Lambs because Hannibal was coming out, and that movie interested me, so I watched this one first to again I get into it. 
Um, so I was like, in my mind, late to the game. So this is one of those cases where I think, based on what I'm hearing and gathering from my relative age next to y'all, as being the person who actually saw Silence of the Lambs essentially real time, like I saw it within two weeks of it coming out in the theater. I just saw Manhunt first, which I don't think... That was my favorite. I haven't and seen yeah. it yet, but... Uh... Oh, I am so sad we can't cover this because the Manhunter is my favorite out of any of these films. It's my favorite of the four films. Yeah. I gotta go back to um, that. It's like but it's interesting because like coming out of Manhunter, like I basically didn't remember that Hannibal Lecter was in it because he was just Hannibal's in Manhunter for like three minutes. <laughs> so and then, and then you go back and you watch Red Dragon and you're like they put in all of these extra scenes to have more yeah. Anthony Hopkins and it's just like why are you still in this movie? I dug it. <laughs> they had Edward Norton. Yeah. What are you gonna do Hopkins with him? Like, Listen, we have a lot. We got a lot of money riding on these two. <laughs> but so and I. I've said this before and I'll say it again. My one of my biggest one of my many issues with Red Dragon is you can tell like Ed Norton's like watching Anthony Hopkins eat the scenery, so he's like, I gotta dial it back. So he's like basically like so low key and just so not there and you're like, Come on, bring it. I know you can <laughs> act. You're my favorite one of at the time the movie came out, he was like my favorite actor. So yeah. I thought this movie was gonna be my wow. favoritist. And then it wasn't like Ray Fiennes like that. It should have been amazing. It should yeah. have been amazing. Well, but yeah. I mean, amazing I after after I enjoyed Hannibal Ray Fiennes. You still had that little glimmer. I I had that hope that they were going back to the source and and being better. Um, I'm pulling up my notes now, and the only other appearance note that I wrote was he has big thighs, which I'm usually into, but here not so much. I also want to note that when I was a teenager, when I was watching these films for the first time, I was wildly attracted to Anthony Hopkins as Hannibal Lecter, and I had, um, this was pre-internet for me, and I had a bulletin board where you thumbtacked stuff into it, and so I had a, t- a black and white TV guide photo of Anthony in a bow tie that I kept forever, and then I also had a magazine cutout of Hannibal Lecter on that bulletin board. From the movie from the, Hannibal? From the Silence of the Lambs. Silence of the Lambs. And um, they were, those two f- pictures are burned into my brain because that was on my bulletin board of things I liked for like 10 years. Because <laughs> I found it in my mother's garage. That was her stash? <laughs> well, she cut, you know, your mom keeps shit for you Stuff. if she has a massive garage. Um, yeah, so big thighs. Eh, I'm over it. Uh, old school body shape, like his body was pretty much the standard for any gentleman between the 20s and 30s. <laughs> like, think the Marx Brothers. Like, mm-hmm. they had those body shapes. Yeah. They had that... Um, Little what, stout. Yeah. What is this called? Your chest? <laughs> I'm touching my boobs. The chest to belly button ratio yeah. shape. Yeah. That was a thing. I can totally imagine him being, like, old school boxer. Yeah. yeah. No, Thank yeah, you. That's a wonderful... He's uh, a, like, a, a stout yeah. brute. Yes. Yeah. Brute. <laughs> He but you have to believe, you know, part of that is you have to believe that he's the kind of guy who can, like, come up behind Potsy and, like, you know, grab his face with a... He seems strong. Yeah, ...chloroform, and, yeah, he's got to be strong enough to pull all these things off. Except, yeah. I don't know if it was Hannibal or Red Dragon, but you see, I don't know, he, he has, like, bare legs or bare arms, and I'm just like, oh, I wish this was different. <laughs> As in so sorry. or no, it just seemed delicate oh, in the wrong oh. way hmm. because he has like a very thick build, but yet 
I think it's just Dainty something limbs. that comes with age. Yeah. Or maybe it is just his shape and I don't know. Maybe I need to watch more Anthony Hop- young Anthony Hopkins. Yeah. Let's see. The first time he's discussed before we see him is with Crawford and Starling. And it's very, I mean, the movie is so well done that it's just very nonchalant and easy. And then they're they're just talking about, like, him with nicknames. Like, they're, they're doing nicknames on him and they know exactly who they're talking about. Um, Crawford's discussing, like, Hannibal's, like, artistic abilities, um, what he likes to do in prison. Like, so Crawford, like, knows tons about him already and it's a very easy smooth conversation and then he says don't let him get inside your head he's a psychologist so in the film especially if you like haven't seen it before and you don't know who Hannibal Lecter is he was really scary and it wasn't I didn't perceive him as being hammy the first time through I was scared well what about Hannibal Lecter did you rewatch it for this episode uh, I did not. I have rewatched it recently enough that I did not specifically rewatch it. In, like and you were just totally into like all of his dialogue and the way he was speaking. Oh, that kind of was. Oh, it was just problem. like, like I'm. I I wouldn't want to be Claire. You know, and the part of that is I was you know slightly younger than Clarice, and I was looking at going into a career in government, so I had that sort of so you know I had that appreciation of what she was going in so it'd be like I don't know I could do what she's doing yeah I would be crying because I'd be so scared I feel yeah. like he's a, <laughs> it's a better performance than Red Dragon as far as like they really get him to do the voice in the other movies whereas in this one it's just like he kind of like slip into that but is otherwise just kind of has this really I don't know it's almost like a monotone that's just yeah. really robotic but it's just, it's just menacing. Well, when he when he first when he brings in the you know the you look like it. a rube, he he definitely you hear that sort of turn in his voice of like yeah. you look like a and he was like everything else before you came that and they were like that really stood out. He's like I am poking at you right now. Yeah. I'm gonna see what you're made of. And I like that he has a lot of those interesting uh, serial killer or psychopath stuff that I liked from X Files, like memorizing sense and. Uh, yeah, I just liked his character in a psychological thriller because yeah. he's a psychologist. The, about how he was speaking, like especially in that first Silence of the Lambs movie, Anthony Hopkins was doing his impression of Truman Capote. Um, Catherine, uh, Catherine Hepburn and Hal from 2001 Space Odyssey. So that's basically the three things that he's invoking when he's like, oh, delivering I see his what lines. You mean, yeah. I did not know that. That's cool. <laughs> um, Learn something new every day. Uh, I can definitely. I feel like I can hear the Hepburn the most, and maybe Hal Truman Capote. I don't know. I never watched the movie, <laughs> so I would. So know. I think I think like when he does like the Southern drawl and stuff like that, that would definitely. Be I was picturing Capote. that for the Hepburn. I don't know. Mm, no, Hepburn's no. Gone with the Does wind. Doesn't really have a Gone with the Wind. Anyone? <laughs> she's not I mean, in the wind. The wind. I don't who's, think she's Gone with the Wind. Yeah. Who's Gone with the Wind? That's uh, oh, Catherine O'Hara. Yeah. Uh, that's fair. Hepburn used to do a lot of that, like, single She's girl. Got oh, I know who Hepburn is. Yeah. yeah. Breakfast at Tiffany's. Still, yeah. No, that's no, no, Audrey. That's Audrey Hepburn. Just my <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. Oh. Need... I thought that was Audrey O'Hara. <laughs> <laughs> we need more mimosas. <laughs> um, I do think that voice is one of those, like, either turns you on or, like, completely turns you off things where I definitely had friends in college and high school who just, like, any sort of impression of him and they would just leave because they were just really not into that at all. Okay, so like it was like an intimidation move too because like in the in Hannibal, especially at the part where he's speaking the most when he's teaching that class, 
Like, it's not a creepy thing. You, uh, you just feel like, oh, he's just an intellectual. Like, he's just teaching this class about kind of a creepy subject, but it's like everybody else is into it, so whatever. And then it's right when he starts, like, actually talking, when he meets up with that detective or whatever, and he starts talking about his wife, then his voice changes to, like, how it was in Silence of the Land. Yeah. Where it was, like, really creepy, where he does, like, that really whiny thing, and you're like, ugh, all right. His... <laughs> dialogue bothered me more in Hannibal um, because he was having to say things like okie dokie and mommy and daddy. Okie dokie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, really? I just don't appreciate any of that nonsense. Which I, I was thinking when I was rewatching Hannibal and then also Red Dragon and I was actually sort of thinking back to Silence of the Lambs where part of it is so much has become like the you know the iconic joke that yeah. yeah. So some of it's just been repeated so much and then I think almost to the extent that of like he did it so often and even more hammy that when you go back to the original it you can't help but bring that back to it. Like maybe I'm putting that onto the movie. You know it's yeah. coming too and it because it's not scripted like it is like this really fun thing that happens but like yeah you just know it's coming but the first time it's always like Ugh, yeah, yeah that exactly <laughs> some things yeah some things you you just can't have that first experience of it again and i loved the first movie all the way up to the point where they started talking about the lambs and i was like I hate when they bring the title the movie <laughs> i yeah. think they did it pretty smoothly <laughs> i just thought it was kind of corny where he's like oh if you I, catch me, do you think you'll, or you catch him, do you think you'll stop hearing the scream? Like, the whole time they're telling the story, I'm like, I know it's lambs, but, like, you're building this up like she saw someone die. She lived on a farm. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely forgive that with that movie, just because I'm like, okay, psychological thriller, when he finally really gets into her mind, like, that's kind of the thing that, like, she's always been holding on to, so yeah. like, okay. So if you were going to read that title, like, as a literal like this is a movie about someone's fears yeah and how she overcomes them so i i, I forgive that even though yeah it's i do hate it when they I say the title it. what uh, well just him just like will the scream silent Ugh, God. that's so funny it's the first <laughs> it's the my favorite part <laughs> i hated that whole thing i love the build-up of the story i loved how she like talked about the story and why she left the ranch like everything yeah, yeah. okay that whole thing it was when he started like Ooh, oh yeah because i don't the... like the cadence of his voice where he's like yeah. the screaming of the lambs it's also a scary <laughs> scene though it's scary because like he's like definitely like in control but he's in a cell and she can't punch him in the well, face and I, there's but, also like... and there's also that stress of like you there's not time you don't have time to play these games just yeah. tell her the name so that he, she can save the person just tell her yeah. stop playing the game do you guys feel like because he is in that cell like when, when we see him when he's not in jail he's able to attack people and stuff and he's kind of like really smooth about it and then he just kind of you know does his like attack or whatever but there's so many times, especially in Silence of the Lambs, when he's talking to someone and he builds it up and then he totally like rips them to shreds verbally. And that's like his attack, right? It's the only thing he can do. But it just, it's like I get that that's what they're presenting and that's all the information that I need is just what I stated. I guess I just don't understand the type of person that would want to make someone feel comfortable. And to make someone kind of trust you and think that everything is fine and then 
hurt their feelings so much and make them feel so uncomfortable and just be so violent verbally. It's called a manipulative psychopath. But yeah, like, why? He's a psychopath. He's, I don't, he's disarming. But why? Doesn't because he want to be nice? Because that's the only... No. <laughs> no. <laughs> he's killing people. I mean, you gotta think about it. He's he like, eats people, Markella. Yeah. He eats people. But, Otherwise, yeah. it's Jason Voorhees and that's what they try to turn him into in Hannibal. So that's the difference. And then they went to Hannibal Rising and gave him a tragic backstory. Yeah. So because... And I have never seen Hannibal Rising. Me neither. Don't. And I've heard it's bad, so I don't I don't think I will. I'm a completist, so I have seen it and I've read the novel. And it's bad? Don't do it. She says don't do it. Okay. On Stevie's word. Please, I think, please, Martha De Laurentiis, don't be listening to this. I think I've been <laughs> conditioned too much by the television series where Hannibal is presented more as he does just eat people and he will literally in a sociopathic way, like kill who, like whoever, to keep this process going so that he isn't caught and everything stays the way it is. But this film version of Hannibal Lecter, and so now I'm wondering in the books which Hannibal Lecter is it, where this Hannibal Lecter that's Anthony Hopkins, he does want to hurt people. He wants to hurt people's feelings. He wants to hurt people physically and eat them. And it's like much a much more um, abusive torment type thing. Whereas in the show... That's not the case at all. Like Han- Han- Hannibal in the show. He's definitely a sadist in the show. Hannibal in the show, but he carries on very deep relationships. And in the end, it might not matter because he's willing to kill like whoever. But it's only until that point. In the movies, we see him a lot more in prison. And it just seems more like, like they say so many times that he doesn't speak to anyone in prison except for, is it Barney? Is that his name? Yeah, Barney. He talks to Barney. He talks to Clarice. He talks to Will Graham. Probably talks to Crawford. I don't know. I mean, they never really say. Oh no, but... he said Crawford has to send Clarice right, because right. he won't oh, talk right, to Crawford. Right, right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Anthony's Hannibal Lecter just seems so much more like a more standard what you would expect from like the villain, the killer. Well, I think to some extent that is because that Hannibal Lecter is so much the model of a lot of the villains that we have now. He was so successful. I mean, they got an Oscar for that performance. Yeah. And the, you know, Red Dragon is the model for the tormented detective who gets, you know, destroyed from being able to understand what all these people do. And so it's so much of that is the baseline of these movies and genres that we have now that you look back and you'd be like, oh my God, that's so so stereotypical. It's like, that is the mold that we're seeing. Um, So Hannibal Lecter in the books, is he just very cruel? So he starts off, I mean, so, and, and I'll, I'll go on a little history. So, like, in Red Dragon, basically, Thomas Harris needed somebody for Will Graham to talk to. So he invented Hannibal the Cannibal as somebody <laughs> for Will Graham to go talk to, to get some insight, to go catch the Red Dragon. And then when he started writing Silence of the Lambs, he realized Clarice needed somebody to talk to. So he went back to Hannibal. He finally realized, oh, I need to go back to Hannibal. And... Uh, you know, Hannibal was basically a non, you know, just like the side character in Red Dragon. And it was because he managed to make it much more interesting in, in Silence of the Lambs, the book. And then the movie was so successful that then they went back to the well with Hannibal, the novel. And then they went back to the well. And then and then in Hannibal, the novel is when they introduced Misha, the, you know, the sister. And, and that's when they start being like giving him the, the tragic backstory, which... I'm much more like the, you know, nothing happened to me, I happened Hannibal that you were sort of yeah. alluding to. That That's my Hannibal. Yeah. But, you know, I, 
I am this way because I am this way and I have decided to, I have my own sense of morality and my own sense of ethics and, you know, you can, you can judge me or whatever, but I'm going to live by my own set of rules and, you know, you can sort of like try to, that's what I love about the show is you sort of twist your mind around to it and there's some times where it's just like I can find myself and be like, I can kind of feel bad for him and understand him and not because his sister was eaten by Nazis, but yeah. because, you know, he presents a compelling worldview. I'm yeah. assuming that the book Hannibal wasn't that that it was more successful than the film was. Um, because Hannibal, I mean, let's be honest, most of us, I think we were discussing earlier, we don't like, we don't care that much for Hannibal. But it was big when it came out. Yeah, I remember I huge it was marketing. Actually, yeah. It was big before we saw it. Yeah, and then we saw it and went, "What the fuck?" It was <laughs> big enough that they went back to the well for Hannibal Rising. So it's... And I do prefer the Red Dragon over Hannibal, and that just came out like a year after. Yeah, I always yeah. get confused about the, the chronology of Hannibal, Hannibal, Hannibal was Rising and Hannibal Red was Dragon. 2001, Red Dragon was 2002, and then Hannibal Rising was like... 2007, I think. Yeah, I just heard it was bad. I'm picturing the poster for Annabelle in my head whenever we talk about yeah, Hannibal Rising. Right? <laughs> the style of Hannibal and the style of Red Dragon are so completely different. It's like, different directors. I almost feel like it has to be like five years later because it's like... Hannibal the techniques felt are just so like, old. Like old as in like 2000s It felt like a old. Jason Voorhees movie. Like it really did. Like I keep yeah. drawing that comparison because I really like felt that that was... I was in a slasher flick instead of a psychological thriller of any kind. I had an eye-opening experience online after I had seen that film, after I rewatched it. Because after I saw the movie um, and thought what I thought about it and was totally into Mason Verger again, oh no. my god. Um, I found out two things. Number one, that Hannibal is directed by Ridley Scott. Yeah. What? That was the first name <laughs> on the screen and I was like, oh really? Well, this should be... I, I didn't notice... If someone asked me, like, to guess, I think that would have been my 13,000th <laughs> guess. Or, I, I mean, I don't know 13,000 directors, so that that's wrong. But um, the other thing I found out too late was um, that Mason was played by Gary Oldman. Yeah. Didn't know that. Well, if you pay attention during the scene where he flashes back to... Hannibal game. Yeah, I was like, who's that guy? (laughs) What a weird, specific guy for the scene. You have to really be looking because it's all flashy and he's on drugs and stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. It was funny because I, like, back in the day, saw, like, a list of times you didn't know it was Gary Oldman. (laughs) And I was like, I was like, what the hell? And I I started watching the movie and I was like, oh, yeah. That was on that list of Gary Oldman is the greatest. And I was like, they made you look at that guy a lot, and it was yeah. creepy as hell, and I was like... I couldn't place his voice until I kind of looked it up, and I was like, where is So this? you recognize the voice? Yeah, it was huh. something about, like, the cadence, like, it was something about his voice where it's like, I've heard that somewhere. I kind of feel bad for not looking for credit where credit was due, because I was watching Hannibal, and I was like, Mason Verger is the best thing that came out of this movie. He was so funny and witty and, like gross and cool and like arrogant but like in a way that I really love and I never once thought to be like who's that actor I should tweet him or something (laughs) like a congratulations and it was Gary Oldman then it almost makes it like not as cool now because I'm like well of course 
Now, of course, the performance is amazing because it's Gary Oldman. When they had to recast Mason Verger for the season three of Hannibal and they like the guy that, that guy they wanted to recruit. So... And they apparently Brian Fuller just went to Joe Anderson. They're and like said, identical okay, twins. Yeah. He's like, so I want you to be in the show. And he's like, oh, great. I'd love to be on your show. Who do you want me to play? And he's like, do you know the character that Gary Oldman plays? He's like, oh, my God, I'm so there. That's all I need to know. As bad as Hannibal is as a film, um, The Silence of the Lambs is almost nothing like Hannibal, the television show. And I saw Hannibal once in theaters. That was it. And at the time, I enjoyed it because I was super into, like, she falls in love with a villain and runs away with him. They make out on a in a refrigerator, whatever. I didn't really call that making out. She was, like, stuck in the... She didn't yeah. like it. She didn't like it's it. Totally it's totally different. not what so. I remembered. <laughs> from being a teenager um but i started hannibal in the very first scene they kind of replicated it for the the show and the, the all the music and just hannibal the show takes a lot out of the grab bag of hannibal and red dragon the films and i, I don't know hannibal rising maybe i'm assuming so, yeah, he stole a little bit from Hannibal Rising, but really not all that terribly much because Brian Fuller and I are in the same opinion about the not giving him the, the backstory. So, like, mm. Chio came out of Hannibal Rising, and even then she was just a really minor character and some reference to where Hannibal grew up, but it's pretty much, yeah. To be honest, Hannibal Rising is the least looted of the novels in the I didn't care for it in series. the show, even though it was very beautiful and mysterious. It wasn't the best. All the fireflies. Uh, I, I will gift those scenes for forever and ever. Has, has any of us not fireflies. seen the show? I've seen part of the show. Okay, so Eric doesn't know what we're talking about. That's fine. It's fine. There's I think a lot it's of, a beautifully filmed show. There's like, a lot of listeners that won't know the show. Maybe this it. will encourage you to watch it. Yeah, it's you should definitely like, watch it. Yeah. Amazon Prime. It's really pretty. Like, even the, the murder they're investigating, like... It was, like, really crazy and pretty, it's, like, with the horn. Like, it's weird with the horns, but it's, like, it was cool at the same time. It's still hailed as the best-looking show that's ever been on television. It's really awesome. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, I could just rattle this stuff off. I feel like it's kind of important, like, way back, starting at the beginning of Silence of the Lambs again. Hannibal is, like, standing in the cell when Clarice is, like, walking up to him. And she says that she's there to learn from him, and that's her trying to make, to try and, like, flatter him to see if he could maybe help her out if she is saying things like that. And I felt like, like, he's trying to be so cool, but, like, that's the thing. Like, he seems really excited to, like, play with someone and, like, hurt their feelings and stuff, which is weird to me because they always say that he never speaks to anyone. So why is he all of a sudden, like, ha a toy? My my impression is is that he probably does that for everybody who shows uh, up, and then he does out. the first analysis of, are you worth my time, or are you not worth my time? And most people don't pass that test, and she passed the so test. So she was only worth his time because he kind of used her to get out. Like well, He kind he of didn't... used her to get like transferred, like, we need a bargaining chip. And so she's like, all right. And he knew he could just kind of play around with her because she's new. She don't know the rules. And that's probably another reason why he wanted to... I mean, she was still a trainee, so it's like, I can toy with you the way that I couldn't toy with the other guy, because he's been in the FBI forever. Um, usually when I do my impression of Han Hannibal Lecter, I plug my nose. I wasn't doing that earlier, but Anthony Hopkins normally doesn't sound that nasally. So, does that bother you guys? It bothers me. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. Uh, okay. Yeah. A, 
to, how do you guys feel about like, I mean, we have to kind of talk about the mask. I, I looked up um, Hannibal Halloween costumes and cosplay and stuff. And it's almost exclusively people setting up some sort of um, dolly system in front of them or on their bodies and with their arms like in the straitjacket with the mask on, which I don't think is that imaginative since everybody does it. Yeah. Well, they needed something iconic for it. It's just so evocative. Yeah. It's just like a real way for people to be like, like how dangerous is is this guy that they can't even... And then it also sort of falls back to the, you know, his power in jail is his ability to talk and convince you of things. So it's like I was we have just to about to say. Him. Yeah, his last dinner or whatever, how he killed the guards. Yeah. It's like, oh, this guy wanted rare lamb. <laughs> I think the, the mask guy. is cool because he is in prison a lot. What... When he's in prison, he is constantly berating people and tricking people and being very verbally, like, awful. And when he's out of prison, he eats people's faces off. So, yeah, the, the mask and how many times he wears it and how many times it's talked about, I think, is welcomed, for that, sure, in a movie like one, this. That's actually sort of one of those delightful scenes, going back to the Mason Verger and uh, Hannibal of the, when Barney shows him the mask, and Mason's and just, like, like, creaming <sighs> his pants. Chocolate cake. <laughs> <laughs> At first, I was Because it was in like, a cake box. Yeah, it was. Oh, yeah, didn't they say, like, oh, I have a little sweetie yeah. for ya? And he was, like, drooling all over it. I was so confused. I thought it was gonna be, like, human flesh or something. I was like, <laughs> I didn't get this guy's game. In, yeah. And then I was like, oh, he's like, sort of a fetishist for this size. I just thought it was funny because I thought that he was giving him like a yummy like cake or something. (laughs) I thought it was gonna be something gross. (laughs) I thought it was gonna be something gross. Also, I I totally forgot about this. Hannibal is super vulgar. Like he's gross when he talks. He talks about sex a lot. Totally had no recollection of that whatsoever. Oh, I thought that was probably going to be typical. I mean, really? yeah. To me, him I thought he just did to get like, a rise. <laughs> he liked to get a rise out of people, but he kind of seemed like the type of kid that grew up kind of poor, but always wanted to be rich. So then when he got rich, he just like played the part really well, but he still had the mouth of just like... That's hilarious. That poor kid. Like, even when he started making fun of Clarice, like, oh, you were just some, like, country bumpkin. I was like, you were too, though. Like, you're just fronting. Like, this, you don't have family money. You know she's not for money because you weren't for money. You know, but, but, but what we find out from the novels is that he was born into money. He was in, they were Lithuanian royalty. His father was a count. His mother was a countess from Italy. And then the Nazis came in and took over and killed his parents and made him meet his sister. And so then he ended up in the Soviet orphanage. And so he got to be both super rich and super poor. So he knows how to be polite. But I think... To, I can't remember who said it is to the point. I think he's definitely trying to get a rise out of people too. You know, he, you don't expect that. He's like, you know, got super fancy psychiatrist guy and he throws the dinner. That's the, you know, the, the event of the year for the symphony board. And then he like says something really raunchy and you're like, oh, Hannibal. <laughs> <laughs> so I wonder when Hannibal start, or actually, well, when Red Dragon starts, we see this, but then also in the film Hannibal, we see him kind of being like that undercover person that we kind of see in the show. And so now I'm kind of wondering, 
I hope that this doesn't happen in the series. Like, if Hannibal is incarcerated again, if he does become that, like, ultra-rude, verbally vicious person. Because it seems like in Hannibal and in Red Dragon, when Anthony Hopkins is walking around, he's friends with Edward Norton. He's friends with... When he's doing that fancy dinner party for the um, for the opera him. people. <laughs> but we do see some of that in the show, too, where when once he's in prison, he has zero fucks to give. And he just... Like the, like the whole thing with Alana. Like, Come. you do like a good finger wagging. How is Margo? I guess that's as vulgar as you can be on, like, NBC. Exactly. <laughs> um, the show that you couldn't actually make a, a proper reference to lesbian sex. So, <laughs> so, so we got button stitching. Um, wow. <laughs> I really actually can't wait to start watching this show, but... Side comment, I was astonished when people were, like, who didn't know the backstory from the novels, who Margot was from the novels, who were, like, surprised to discover that Margot was a lesbian. I'm like, she said all the things. She just never said the word lesbian, but she's like, I have the wrong parts and the wrong proclivity for parts. And I'm like, how do you not know she's saying she's a lesbian? <laughs> I feel guilty for also re-watching Hannibal, the film. And completely forgetting that Margot even existed. <laughs> well, yeah, nobody does. Yeah, sad. They like completely erased her from the movie. I don't see why. I I know that they wanted to carry over that kind of FBI feel from the sense of the lamps, which they ex- executed poorly. Because to me, it did look at that point like a really shitty like CSI type television show with like all the procedural stuff that um, Julianne Moore is running through. I feel like yeah. they could have replaced some of that. Like the perfume they smelling left stuff. All of that out, yeah. And added some Margot stuff to make. I mean, as amazing way as less Mason Krendler, is, way more Margot. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and Margot could have been played by Jodie Foster. Jodie Foster. <laughs> Except Margot you know? was a bodybuilder in the novel. Really? Yeah, like hardcore. So Charlie's there. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> America, <laughs> you. I also, I really do kind of feel guilty that I'm using the show as a crutch. Like even when I was rewatching these films, because Jodie Foster in Silence of the Lambs, she says he's not going to come after me. He would consider that rude. That felt off to me. But I'm wondering if that felt off to Natasha or Eric. Because to me, from the show, watching the show so much, it kind of bugged me. But were you guys like, ooh, that's a cool line? Or did you just like whatever? I thought it was cool as far as you're supposed to get that she has actually learned something from him and has a better read now than before. Maybe it's a little too soon in, in, realis- I, in realistic felt. terms. Like, does she really know him that well? No. Yeah. But well, he you know tells what? her at the end of Silence of the Lambs that he's not going to come visit her. But this was before, this was like past the middle of the film. It's, yeah, it's when he escapes and her friend is like, aren't you worried he's going to come after you? And that's when she's like, oh, he would consider that rude. And I kind of felt well, no, like... he tells her on the phone when he calls her when she's at the uh, isn't ceremony. This before, wasn't that at the end? That was at the end. Yeah, so this was before that, though. It's when he when he escapes the um, the state. Yeah, I think cops. I'm remembering where. Yeah, because they, yeah. they ask her right away because yeah, they think that her friend thinks that he would just come right for her, but he's on the run. Is it because at the beginning of the movie, her and um, her FBI director Jack Crawford. 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 Is it because her and him are like? already like on terms of like who Hannibal like they know who Hannibal Lecter is they kind of know 
So no. she is at that point where she knows that so much about him, and then she's hung out with him a little bit, I so think now she's she gonna knows, be like, oh, he'll think that it's rude. I think she knows he would kill Crawford before her, yeah. because Crawford yeah. was the one using her, so if anybody, in the FBI anyways, he would go after who's actually responsible. Okay. Uh, do you guys know who Richard Lynch is? The actor Richard Lynch. He was in Scarecrow, and then he's the, it's a Gene Hackman movie. Um, He's in a slew of, like, kind of bad action slash sci-fi films. I can't really describe it. He looks like a sexier, thinner Redger Hauer. Anyway, at the end of Silence of the Lambs, Hannibal is wearing a wig, like a blonde wig, and he looks like... So silly. He looks like Richard Lynch, and Hmm. Richard Lynch is so hot. And so I would say for sure. Oh. You think he saw it when he's uh, on the island trying now. to catch? Uh... Yeah, that guy. Natasha's playing on the image. You recognize that guy? He does he really look like Anthony Hopkins right there. The first. Like one. that could be Anthony Hopkins at yeah, the end of Silence yeah. of the Lambs. Yeah. He is sexy. This isn't going to translate to the podcast, but there's two pictures there that actually look like well, a very old Frankie Muniz. Super <laughs> Frankie Muniz. Like the younger picture of him, black and white. I kind of wish that blonde wig was just like, oh, that's Hannibal Lecter. Like, that's what he looks like. I'd be fine with it. He had, like, wavy blonde. Cute. (laughs) And he looks like Richard Lynch, who also looks like Redger Hauer, and both of those men are totally dreamy. And so is Anthony Hopkins, with with normal hair. So So I have a question for you, Stevie, because I haven't seen Manhunter yet, but I actually really like Crawford in Silence of the Lambs. Now, I love Harvey Keitel, but him playing Crawford in Red Dragon, Same. I was I like, I was like, you're just, he That's was a little. That's another layer just of. Bland. It, I don't think he was overacted. I thought, but he was too like energetic. He wasn't FBI, you know, no. he was like a street cop. There's so, really nothing. So my question like is, <laughs> how is Crawford in Manhunter? And do you know who plays him? Uh, no, as soon as you say he's going to ask me, and I'm not going to I don't. I didn't, I didn't look it up. I'm just curious, was it a good performance? Because I think it's a good character, and I'm curious how that's it, translated. Oh, God. Oh. Yeah, I like it. Like, the first Dennis scene. Dennis Yes. Oh, huh. So he shows up, okay. and, like, the scene where he's, like, like, the first scene you see with them is on the beach, and he's, like, trying to talk Will Graham to come back and, and uh, help them on this case, and it's just, like totally droll like dude you just got to come do this thing like slides in the pictures of the families that have killed and i mean i feel the same way i need to rewatch manhunter because i love that movie so much but um i love harvey keitel i wasn't amazed by his drag crowd i love like that's like like that movie is like everybody who is cast in it are actors that i love i should have loved it john lovitz as jack crawford (laughs) (laughs) that'd be great I will say, Edward like, Norton phoning it in, and I hate Edward Norton, but I actually, oh as God. the more Red Dragon went on, I liked his my, program. So my first experience to, with Ed Norton was in Primal Fear, and I <laughs> had no idea who he was. It was a movie we went to go see because. We had nothing better to do. And it's like literally end of the movie, like going, oh my God, that guy was so amazing. <laughs> and then Fight Club has been one of my favorite movies for a long time. So I just like, I just like him. I know him yeah. most from Death to Smoochie. Oh, that's such yeah. a great movie. Yeah, so, yeah, no. <laughs> hmm. I can understand why you would not like him. Yeah, you know. I don't think I've ever oh, actually managed to watch that whole movie. Uh, that um, movie is hilarious. <laughs> last thing I want to say it's about... really dark. Silence of the Lambs is... 
we're trying to find the romance within Hannibal Lecter, and this film was released on Valentine's Day. Just like, so funny story. Yeah. Going back to when I first saw Silence so of the Lambs. So obviously you saw this in February. Yes. <laughs> and uh, some friends of mine had just started thinking about maybe starting dating. Oh. And um, somehow the movie Silence of the Lambs came up. And so I, somebody was like, oh my God, you know, that's a great movie. But God, that would be like the worst first date movie. And the guy looked at me and just glared. And then like <laughs> took me aside like five minutes later. It's like... Yeah, we're going on our first date. We're going to go see Silence of the Lambs. Heck yeah. <laughs> and then you got married. <laughs> it was super good. Um, what else came out that <laughs> Honestly, knowing who you are now, aren't you, like, thankful that he was like, listen, where are we going? <laughs> to the movie. Well, he wasn't asking me. He was he was talking about the the other girl. Oh wait, oh, but yeah. you already liked Manhunter by then. So what, I I'd already seen Manhunter, but yeah, like yeah, yeah. I didn't remember that Hannibal Lecter was in Manhunter. I just knew that it was. I kind of wish since between Manhunter, Silence of the Lambs, and Hannibal, those three styles are so wildly different. I wish they had continued that. As much as I prefer Red Dragon over Hannibal, it's not an amazing movie by any standards. It's fine. And I like what it is, but I kind of wish they had continued that tradition of like, and now we're going to do it like this, <laughs> like rainbow colors. Uh, yeah. It's like Hannibal the TV show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I also feel like when they keep driving home the idea that Hannibal just like never spoke to anyone while he was incarcerated, isn't he so bored? I know that he draws and he listens to music and he reads, but like... And he submits articles to psychiatry magazines. Okay. But still, like, he seems to enjoy hearing himself talk. It doesn't fit. That is a good point. Yeah. I've never thought of it that way, but now that you say that... I feel like whenever he talks to somebody, he's trying to, like, get to killing somebody. (laughs) And it's just like, well, if I can't work this into a situation where I get to kill somebody, like, what are we talking about here? What are we talking about? Yeah. That's true. And also, maybe... Because I'm trying to workshop this. He talks to people. He finds out they're boring or rude or unintelligent enough for him. So maybe it would be worse to keep talking. Because maybe it would just be so annoying for him to not be able to do anything except hurt them verbally. Honestly. Then what are you going to do after that? And that's that's sort of his point with all of the <laughs> you know, people who come to try papers on him. He's like the... I'm not deigning to give you my attention. And it's it's the same thing as like it's the way to hurt them is to be like, you're not even worth my time. That's, and that's like, true too. That's why it Chilton might... like he was like so frustrated with him because he's like, like I'm gonna tell let you know anything about me. It might make sense that he's like, that's part of the game is you have to work for it in order for me to talk to you. That also makes sense. And that, Still, he has to be fucking bored because he's not talking to anyone. That yeah, feeds but... into the whole thing with Clarice when she like tries to segue into the why don't you fill out the thing? And he's like, no, no. You were yeah. being so good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then Chilton. I love Hannibal with Chilton. I love Hannibal with Barney. And I, because that relationship is so interesting. I love Hannibal with Chilton because Chilton is like the perfect, he just happens to be the one in charge and he's the one that's like, 
pretending to always be like, well, I don't care. I'm going to ruffle my he, peacock feathers. He was amazing in Red Dragon, reprising uh, yes. his role and being younger. The makeup was amazing. He was even more obnoxious. I was, it was I, so like old school I, British, I loved him like, in both. Like, he was so good. And I have to say, the one lipstick. thing I love the most about Red Dragon was the line, like, you must have done something. How did you get, how did you catch him? I let him kill me. That's yeah. my favorite part of Red Dragon. And his yeah. face totally drops. Yeah, it's, it's like, oh, like uh, that was great. <laughs> Chilton is bae. <laughs> <laughs> you wait till you see Chilton and Hannibal, the TV show. Oh, who's played by Raul Esparza, who I get to see this week. The amazing oh, nice. thing about the movie is, oh yeah, okay, so you're going to New York? I'm going to, to New York Raul. on Wednesday, and on Thursday, Raul is doing a 90-minute show talking about his career and going to sing some is songs gonna, I was just going to, I was like, is I he thought you were sing? going to Hannibal <laughs> Con for a second. No, that's in February. What are this, is it actually called Hannibal this. Con? It's called the Red Dragon Con. Mm. <clears throat> okay, so... Hannibal, the movie, they start out, they're, like, using all of these, like, words, kind of like, you know, how I like to rattle off, like, descriptor words when I'm, like, yeah. speaking. They pretty much do the same thing, except they, like, wrote it into a script, and they thought, like, it'd be amazing. I, I don't think the way I speak is that hot, but they were just, like, Clarice is interested in him. She intrigued him. He thought she was charming and amusing. He was fond of her, and, he, like, they rattle this off, and, like, a minute and a half and I'm like mm. I feel like I wrote this because that's like my intelligence level <laughs> it's just a lot of painful it's the writing. but when you have to do that kind of exposition to convince us of this yeah in that yeah. amount of time yeah. I guess that's sort of like the shoehorning the shoehorning clannable in is yes. the, the he's gonna have a romantic thing for her because we're so we're setting this whole stage even though he just left at the end of the last one and went off to go I... eat children I look at Hannibal t circa 2001 as a romantic film, and I always have. I, I thought that when I saw it, I've always kept that memory with me because I only saw it that one time. But when I look back on it, all I can remember is a big block of like yellow colors and romance with a villain. I don't remember anything else. And mm. it's honestly all from most of basically the end, the ending of that film where she wakes up and, and she's in that gown and stuff. But still, it's like, it's not a horror film. It's like a drama. I started to fall asleep when I, oh man, I had problems with this movie. <laughs> so I watched Silence of the Lambs, which I love. And then I'm like, oh, I'm going to start Hannibal right up. Let's get this going. And I'm like, oh, right. Jodie, Jodie Foster didn't sign on for this one. Julianne Moore did. And what's this exposition? What? is this why movie are they, why yeah. are they and trying I, to like, catch a drug i lord? kept watching and just like went completely brain dead because i just jody, i had lost it jody foster didn't come back for this film because she read the script and she thought it was disrespectful to the story is, yeah that's is how i felt pushing through it's so bad that i'm gonna make it worse and not be a part of it because it doesn't deserve you you don't think it deserves anything so it doesn't deserve anything was her attitude <laughs> I'm on Team Jody yeah, for I'm life, Dan. Team Jody for life. Okay, I can't believe I completely forgot about this. This has nothing to do with, like, is Hannibal hot or not? But we all rewatched Hannibal a couple of days ago or, like, a week ago yeah. or something. Okay, we all, we all live in Seattle. Did you notice that the cold open is the Pike Place Market? 
No. It is. So my Must husband... Must have been an awfully sunny day. Yeah. It was odd because, it, I mean, because it said public market, but it was supposed to be the Baltimore, or yeah, no, yeah. the D.C. public market, okay. which I don't think is a thing. Okay. I used to live in D.C. So <laughs> my husband does video games for a living. He does the art department oh. part. And what they do in the video game industry, which is just like the film industry, you see things in a magazine or in real life or in something, and you pull it out and you recreate it because... No idea is original. You just grab bag from everything and turn it into something else and reuse it, especially for videos or visuals and video games. So Pike Place Market is the second most recognizable area in Seattle, save for the Space Needle. And Hannibal opens with literally the Pike Place Market sign. I think it says like... It says public market. Public market. Okay. I feel red. better now because I was like, but that's the... Seattle public market, but you're supposed to be in D.C. Yeah, exactly. It's set in this, like, desolate, kind of, like, dusty, like, underneath a bridge setting. And the Seattle public market is, like, Not. nearly on the waterfront on, like, a nice... Yeah. It's nice. But this is, like, they kind of took that and, like, it was, like, a dystopian, like, whatever-looking type thing. But it's, like, they show the market sign and then they cut to a lady carrying a big fish. And I'm, like... At Seattle Pike Place Market, you throw the fish. You throw the fish. That's what you do. And then, like, the way that the, um, the like, stalls and stuff mm -hmm. are set up, the vegetable stalls and the hanging garlics and stuff like that, and the way that they're all situated, it's like someone deconstructed the Wait, Pike Place that Market. scene was supposed to take place in D.C.? DC. Yeah. It looked like it was in some it like crazy... Kansas. I thought it was in Africa. It's I, a desert. It looked like India. It looked like... Yeah, that did not look like... No. It was like Mad Max, Who? but like It was was India. supposed not, to believe yeah. that that was D... I automatically That's why they kept assumed. saying the D.C. cops. The D.C. cops. Because we're in D.C. Yeah. And I thought they just traveled to a different part of the world to catch some <laughs> drug lord. I didn't realize... I thought we were in Seattle. <laughs> I didn't realize it was like supposed to... No, yes, oh, agreed. that just made me not like the movie <laughs> right away um the sexism is only present in sounds of lambs and in hannibal and that is hard to watch like i get that well, it's that supposed is, to be yeah. like oh when she gets first gets to that prison and he's like hitting on her hardcore you're like Whoa. just like all the guys in the background <laughs> in both films there is no woman alive that gets stared at that hard and that much by every guy that she comes across so I get the message that they're trying to, to drive home, but I would say that watching a movie like that that's trying to present sexism that way is just as hard to watch as one of those 1980s action films that's like super sexist and they think it's like cool. Yeah, it's still, <laughs> even no, though, I even though like, they're being like, look, these guys are really bad because they're a sexist. It's still like, I'm still I'm not, not enjoying no, you showing I, this to me. It seems pretty normal because for a while they were only showing, they were really just showing her as being like one of the only women that were there. I mean, you would see sprinkles of it, but you would. But still, so it like, seemed kind of normal that a group of guys would be like, the one girl we see all day. It seems really extreme that that many super sexist guys would be like, all in one room. <laughs> well, like, I mean, the... and some of it just seems oh, kind of normal. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> I felt like it was actually kind of normal that, like, for instance, she was, like, going to meet Crawford in his office, and she passed a group of guys, like, running, and they all, like, turned. And they're like, oh, there's that girl. It seemed like that would be a normal thing that would happen, especially back in that time. And then 
when she met up with the doctor at the prison, it was like, that seems like something that would definitely happen. Yeah. Like, I mean, those things are fine. It's just that everything all together in both of those films, it's like, it's so cringy. Especially, in the, yeah. it is interesting. <laughs> do you, Stevie, do you happen to remember, um, I, I could just Google it. I know that I could do that, but... <laughs> How long between Silence of the Lambs was written at, uh, before Hannibal? Wasn't that long. Okay. So in Hannibal, doesn't Clarice and Hannibal become, don't they become lovers and like run away together and they like In the novel, fuck? in the novel Hannibal. Yeah. Now are you talking about the difference between Hannibal the novel well, and Hannibal the movie? Because I'm, ask- very I'm only together. asking because, and I don't know if he's acting like this with her in the book, but in the film The Silence of the Lambs, you're seeing all these like super nasty men like being like awful to her and Hannibal seems fine except for he's kind of being sexual the first time they talk and then I think it's their second conversation where he's like mm, something inappropriately sexy and she's like she kind of closes her eyes and she's like you know man like I don't this isn't gonna work like just change the subject like it's not gonna work on me and she has that attitude back to him and it kind of like brings me down a little bit because I'm super into Hannibal and Clarice falling in love and so I'm wondering if he does something like that in the books where she like shuts him down because he's being just as inappropriate with her as like all the other guys are because then in the next book they end up together and they fall in love and they run away so it's just kind of like a bummer to see him be like mm, sexy stuff and she's like ugh. Yeah, I never got a sexy vibe out of the book or Silence of the Lamb. By sexy, I just mean when he's, like, throwing around, like, super, like, inappropriate sexual verbiage. Yeah, I mean, he does the thing about, you know, implying that Crawford is just sending her because Crawford's into her. Yeah. (laughs) That's from the book. But yes, in the the novel, they end up boinking in Buenos Aires. I mean, everybody makes mistakes, but (laughs) I guess I'm, I'm just... One of those awful people that just wants everything to be perfect. And it's healthy for the relationship to not be perfect. So he's a <laughs> cannibal. He kills people. And also they had that really awkward alteration where he was being inappropriate and she had to shut him down. There's like yeah. those three things. And the whole thing where he drugged her. And oh yeah, the, he drugged her. the whole weird Put a dress therapy on her. thing with her. Put her ponytail in a refrigerator. Yeah, I yeah. liked that, but she did not like that. <laughs> that was not a yeah. It's very creative. Um, I'm still in Hannibal notes. I said Mason tried to seduce Hannibal, and Hannibal got him to cut his face off, so Hannibal had a good time. Hannibal had a great time. After he kind of got like the face off, face off, face off. Yeah, it was a face off. It was, it was a face. What else did he do? Because why is he so like? Why can't he walk and shit? That's so part of the damage that he did to him, so he did in the, the show, they actually give more details, but he actually severs his spinal cord. So he's oh. got like, uh, yeah, I think that they sort of, I think Hannibal thought he would die and then he didn't. So. Yeah, like his leg hits some glass. And I was like, is that supposed to be it? I was like, that's oh. not how you get yeah. people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, no. So no, it was, he made the, he made the reference to, he had his special apparatus that he could hang himself for pleasure. Oh, himself. yeah, yeah, And yeah. that's what it was, you know, when he's telling Clarice about this and trying to get oh, the more, okay. so there was there the auto asphyxiation rig in and out. that was involved with uh, why he is now uh, paralyzed. Yeah. And gross. 
<laughs> I also noticed that um, they do the same thing that they do in The Silence of the Lambs in Hannibal, where they're just kind of just random people that might be even strangers to Hannibal are like talking about like, uh, Hannibal likes to draw this, he likes to do this, this is his nicknames and stuff. In Hannibal, they're talking about like, oh, he wouldn't be in Las Vegas. It would be an assault on his sense of taste. And it's like, it's almost like these FBI agents and stuff, they're kind of talking like they know Hannibal and that makes them cool. Like if they know about Well, that him. was Clarice who said that. Does she yeah. say that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think I remember in that scene, everyone was like, yeah, I know that. Like, they're cool if well, they mean, know she, more she's, about Hannibal. She's down there talking to the one guy who's fairly decent to her, who the one who brings the mail. So it's kind of like her one, the closest thing she has to a confidant down there. I yeah. feel like all of those scenes... And I think he's just so thrilled that she's actually talking to him that he's just like, yeah, 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 yeah. Whatever you say, Clarice, you're smart. You're super smart. <laughs> this might be just a trope that I haven't picked up on in mo- in movies, but... um. The, all those scenes with Clarice doing the procedural stuff with that little helper guy, it just seemed like pretty much like uh, the scenes from Zoolander, which uh, came out in 2001 as well. I don't know if that's like immediately like an identical thing that you can find in like a lot of other movies, but to me it looked just like Matilda. Yeah, I do have to get going pretty soon. Do you want to okay. do more Red Dragon or? You've buzzed off before. Um, yeah. Is there? Anything... I can always. Yeah, I can what take are off you dying to say? Going. What are you dying to say before you have your out? Um, I could do my yeah yeah. As far as like Hannibal hot or not, I think Hannibal's hot. I like that he's definitely uh he looks like a psychologist and is <laughs> sort of unassuming, but I like the more subtle and nuanced Red Dragon and Silence of the Lambs Hannibal. Not really into slasher flick. Okie dokie. Okie dokie. <laughs> Ta-ta. Okie dorkie. The movie Hannibal was... <laughs> it was rough. I was like going into it like so ready to enjoy it. I was just like, oh, oh it was just too. a lot of gross stuff. And it wasn't... I was never scared at all. Whereas even with Red I Dragon, the there was some really... Scary. Mm, there I thought some the pigs were scary. I thought the pigs were a good touch to the screaming <laughs> from the first one. Because the way that like sheep... Scream, it sounds oddly close. But then Julianne Moore never re- oh, sorry. Then Claire never reacts to it in the movie. Like, she's- even though it's supposed to be kind of something that's like, oh, traumatizing from the past. Well, she's an FBI agent, so. This might be jarring for Stevie. I don't know how familiar you you are with our podcast, but really quick, food for Hannibal? What food would he be? Um. We'll have more time to think about this later. I haven't cooked enough human based food, but probably. Maybe brain, maybe brain, because it is like it's an acquired taste. I that think, is so smart. and, and uh, so I don't want to give any credit to the movie Hannibal because they ate brain in that. But for the other two movies, not Hannibal, like he's very much brains, like and you I know. I think you just trumped anything else we could have come up with. Yeah, he's a, a human brain. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> there used to be a sushi restaurant down on First App that did monkey brain. <laughs> Is he, is it what, uh, what, um, brain from what thing? I was thinking just brain as a delicacy in general, okay. yeah, cause, I, yeah. I thought you meant literally, like, a human brain. Oh, that's what And I was, I was like, too. that's deep. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Eric. Ta-ta. Enjoy the rest of the talk. That was really fun. Awesome. All right, Eric's gone. Now it's just the girls. 
<laughs> we still have mimosas. I don't know. Steak. I am out of mimosas. So. Oh, I was just. Oh. I was, do you, would you like some more champagne? I think some more we, champagne? No, I think uh, we. I spread it all. I do have a vodka sodas. Would you like a vodka soda, madame? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Now that now that we finally got <laughs> started again. Would Hannibal drink a vodka soda, or is that too like? My personal opinion about vodka sodas is they are the perfect drink for after you've brushed your teeth and then you realize you really want another drink. Okay, so you're talking about... Okay. No, this is really cute. So, um, at the end of Hannibal, the climax is that he drugs Clarice, and she kind of wakes up all groggy. Yeah. And she was wearing that really ugly dress and stuff. And this is in 2001. No, it was a gorgeous dress. You did? Oh, that's yeah, fine. I, no, that's, I mean, the dress is if not... If I had cleavage like that, I'd wear that dress. The dress yeah. is not that bad. I take it back. You're right. Um, but this is 2001, yeah. Her shoes are the disgusting and i don't care what you're about to say stevie those no, are gross i actually so i don't wear heels i'm team comfortable shoe all the way and i just find it hysterical that she's like able to wander around in those heels oh yeah totally drugged out of her mind she falls down once yeah granted, but the rest of the time she's like walking down the stairs in these stupid heels and i'm like Really, she seems so vulnerable, and yeah. I maybe that's why they chose that dress with that like kind of plunging neckline and her bare arms and stuff because she just seems so like she not only doesn't have her gun but she doesn't have a bra. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, and we had seen the shoes earlier, and he had left yeah. the shoes for her when he came that whole creepy yeah. thing when he came into the house and yeah, moved the drink and didn't charge the phone because he didn't want to wake her up and left the shoes for her. Yeah, no, she's wearing creepy, gross, clunky '90s heels. <laughs> yeah, '90s heels. This was 2001. Mm -hmm. I know it takes us a while to kind of change over into the next like decade, but oh, clunky yeah, '90s. Yeah, but you know, Hannibal shoes. had been in jail for a while. Yeah, you know the... But that's the sad thing. This is what Hannibal likes. So, like, if you were to be with Hannibal, he'd be like, "Hey, honey, what about those shoes?" And you'd have to turn it. You'd have to explain to him. Yeah. Why you're not gonna buy them? <laughs> <laughs> so Hannibal also ends, even though it's not like in the book where they like run away together and they totally fuck <laughs> and stuff like that. Blink and Buenos Aires. Yeah, they. It is like a romantic thing. It's like a theme throughout the film, and then they do have a kiss. They don't share a kiss, but they have a kiss, and so it it's is a little rapey. It's yeah, very. It's, it's super rapey. It is rapey, which is weird. So I was surprised because, number one, I remembered that kiss differently. Number two, in our podcast, we kind of have a couple of running theories going with just kind of these romantic villain tropes. And one of them is there's always this very magnetizing thing of females wanting a male villain to be like, they'll kill anyone except for them. Like, they're special the villain will protect them. The villain is interested in them and no one else. No one else can tame them but this one female. And Hannibal, most of the film plays into that where she is listening to all of their old like tapes and stuff. And it seems like the entire film she is obsessed with him and she can't, she says she can't stop thinking about him. He's, she's thought about him for years. At least 30 seconds of every day. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So I thought. From my memory and the way mo the movie was going, that she was infatuated with Hannibal and had a crush on Hannibal and had these romantic feelings. 
which it totally still would be valid and still have like a super rapey unwanted kiss. I get that. I guess I just was a little bit taken aback. And it's very um, uh, heroic of her to have him kiss her and her to like, she does not kiss back at all. It's a very one-sided kiss. And then she handcuffs him. And I think, I guess at that moment, she's putting her feelings aside because the rest of the movie was trying to show us that she does like him like that. But she's our hero and this is America and she's not going to stand for any funny business and he's a cannibal that kills people. So that is what she does. So in the book, I, they run away together because they're lovers, but like... Does she do anything that's like, wait, I'm an FBI agent and this is the law? No, in the book, it's pretty much he, this is one of those big, you know, Tumblr discourses. And I will fully admit I had, I left the Harris first because somebody had told me about the clannibal ending of the novel and I was completely against that. I just, that's not what I wanted. So a lot of this stuff, I listen to it, and, and I've heard it from other people, and I'm like, I just don't see that. And I have to be like, yeah. I have to admit that my personal bias is I am not interested in seeing that. But no, in the novel, so in the novel, they sort of start with the, he drugs her, and then he does the therapy with her, similar to what we see in the show, when he brings in Abigail's father. He does that. He actually did that to Clarice in the novel. It came directly out of the novel. But that gives her the chance to sort of bury her feelings of wanting daddy to be proud of her. And that frees her okay. to be able to give herself to Hannibal as a, as a sexual partner as opposed to as a father figure. And then that's what lets them run away to uh, South America together. So then she and, and, and part of that breaking down and you, you see that in the movie, too, is him being like the bureau doesn't appreciate you you're trying to be what they want you to be but they yeah. don't see you and you're never going to get to be what your true full potential is so that's sort of the the tact that he takes with her so she gets to be his equal um once she frees herself of the confines of trying to be the good fbi agent and make daddy proud so yeah. in the movie version when he's doing all of these things to her instead of with her i mean but i mean he is the villain and none of those things are okay i guess sometimes i'm just surprised because i do see wiggle room and like i said this is one of those things where i can at least having thought about it enough come to it and be like okay i understand what my personal historic bias with this character these characters comes from that it's like yeah. i never wanted to see that so so you're not into Clarice and Hannibal. I've never been into Clarice and Hannibal. What about Clarice and or Clarice and Will? <laughs> what, Only in my dreams. <laughs> uh, Hannibal and Will. I have sort of come to an acceptance of Hannigram in the Fullerverse world of like, okay, obviously it's a romance. Basically, there was there was a joke where it came to at the end of season three where I was just like. Jesus Christ, I just realized I've been watching a romance for three seasons. Yeah, I guess I'm just a romantic person because I don't, so I don't watch rom-coms. I don't like romantic films, but I do have a lot of feminine genes pumping in my veins. And so I feel like because I hate traditional romance and I won't watch it and I won't read it, I feel like whatever I do watch 
or take in as entertainment. I try and like force romance into whatever I'm seeing. I so it's sort of taking a step back and like Hannibal being the first fandom I've been a part of. I've never been a shipper. Like I've never like I watched X Files almost from the beginning. I can let you know. Part of it is I can list the shows that stopped being interesting to me when the lead characters got together. I also don't enjoy rom-coms. I and then actually it's funny. I look back at some of my favorite movies, and they're all the more sort of like tragic romance. I mean, like Brazil is probably my favorite movie, and it's really this whole tragic romance inside of a dystopian, yeah. you know, show. Fight Club is really a dystopian romance inside yeah. of this thing. And then I look at Hannibal, and I'm like, yeah, okay. So there's really, you know, it's more than a romance. It's a real full-on romance that's been going on, and it's like, okay, so yeah. you know, I'm more of a Wuthering Heights kind of a girl. So, but I don't, that's never been my approach to media. It's more like the, okay, I guess romance is going to happen, whatever yeah. kind of thing. But specifically for me, and I've been thinking about this a lot lately, is that I think for me, Clarice was much more that, one is Will Graham was always my favorite character from the whole universe. Two, Clarice was more the the sort of the me person and I didn't want to be the person you know I, it never yeah, struck me that yeah. she would be somebody to run away it was more like yeah. that she's strong and she can fight the monsters I want to be strong and fight the monsters and I'm not terribly interested in then running off with the monster I want, yeah. I want to be that you know girl in a, in a male dominated industry who can I go and then actually and do awesome do things yeah. and be the one who actually does the right thing so is that another thing about Hannibal, the Hannibal film and book that kind of bugs you as like, opposed I literally to stopped. Silence of the Lambs. Somebody told me when I started reading oh, Hannibal yeah, yeah. the novel when it came out, I think I read a review. I think it was basically somebody like, can you believe that they let Clarice end up with Hannibal? And I'm like, well, pfft. See, that's, yeah. that. that's so funny because that's what would make me read it and watch it. Except for, I mean, to be honest, that's what The Shape of Water is supposed to be. I'm so excited to see that. And I don't <laughs> want to see that at all because I don't like that aesthetic of like they've been doing it they've been doing it in europe especially for goddamn since the 90s i don't i can't think of anything pre-90s but they have this thing of like dystopian future like completely underground um machinery it's kind of like steampunk but it's a lot more british and um and suits it's not like all like gilliam-esque yeah i hate it Oh, I hate it. Oh, I love it. Oh, There's I love so it many too. movies yeah. like Double is like that. I, I mean, I could list them off. All the uh, City of Lost Children, kind of, and I just I can't watch it just because of that. But I, I imagine that we'll be doing that for this podcast and kind of wave the the hot villain rule because this is a hot monster. That's a, a love story. Yeah. You know. Anyway, I would like to say that. Getting together with villains as a plot line or a through line kind of gets me every time, but not... I mean, Shape of Water, he's not a villain, number one. Number two, I wouldn't watch it anyway because I just can't do that underground British... Everything oh, is made it. out of machines, there's no sunlight, and we all wear, like, coats with ties. Yeah, I love it. Whoa! Like that... What was that That's uh, why train I movie? Uh, Snowpiercer? Yeah. I Oh, yeah. I loved it. That is not... That. <laughs> I love that movie. Oh, I loved that movie. Okay. I can move on to Red Dragon now. Um, Dark Sparkly Eyes already said that. Oh, is he a vampire ponytail? <laughs> um, 
I literally, when they first shared that scene, the dinner scene with him with the ponytail, and it's like, what? Yeah. I don't like it. Um, like, basically, Hannibal's dinner table, Hannibal's uh, office that we see at the beginning of Red Dragon. That's, I think, in the movies, the only time we really see, like, his stuff. Like, that's what he likes. And it's just, like, a muse. It's, like, a museum pieces and stuff. So, it's, like, butterflies and and spears and stuff I don't care about. (laughs) But I love it. I would have, you know. Have would you date pieces. someone that had like antique, like museum? Oh, I have style antique. Okay. All right. <laughs> You're like, well, never mind. <laughs> uh, go right ahead. Um, he's into origami. He could do origami. Um, he sends Christmas cards, so he's you know always doing stuff with his hands. Um, he uses the phrase panty girdle, which I was not happy with. I don't know how old Hannibal is supposed to be in these movies or books, but um, I don't like anyone that's going to say panty girdle, but like not as a joke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> it is, I want to say, I think it is era appropriate. Um, the funniest version of that, of course, is Chilton saying it in the TV show. <laughs> oh, I don't remember that. When does he say that? He, he basically says the same phrase, but he says he makes me feel like I'm a freshman struggling with the panty girdle i like that because the show is set like nowadays and it's chilton and like i get it in the way he's saying it but in this like hannibal you're supposed to be taking it completely seriously and you're supposed to be intimidated and he says panty girdle and it's like who how old are you (laughs) and you don't and it doesn't even have to be an age thing like just don't say that and be totally serious like you think that you're being cool i did like so there's kind of a bondage thing that we could talk about and yet again I just didn't bother to do any sort of research on bondage I we kind of did that when we did the Hellraiser podcast oh yeah but there is a lot throughout the films we are seeing Hannibal when he's incarcerated in restrictive masks and like bound exercise thing or yeah so I liked that a lot we, we see him, like, bound in, like, a bunch of different ways. But I really liked when he's on, he's doing his, like, gym uh, yeah. running track time. And it's just because we talked about his body shape earlier. And he, it's mostly up to this, like, leather belt that has that, like, strap attached to it that's attached to, the, like, up over his head. And that belt is so tight on him. It's a very thick wide leather belt that looks like it's put on him too tight for his waistline and it is like it's really hot <laughs> like it's too tight and so he's like uncomfortable and like it's cool um and his you hands know, are been, like if he's been really bad Chilton's like one more one more, more oh, yeah. I love that <laughs> it makes me so happy um I also, as much as I dislike a lot of the way that he verbalizes things in all of these movies, um, I think this started in Hannibal, because I don't remember him doing this in Silence of the Lambs, but he goes, no. Like, someone will, will be, like, asking him to, like, bargain or something and, like, talk for a while, and then they stop and wait for Hannibal's response, and he's like, <laughs> I, you know, it's funny you say that, because when I rewatched Red Dragon last night, I'm pretty sure he does that once in Silence of the Lambs, and I meant Ooh. to actually go back and check. Okay, because there's enough things where I've watched it enough times where it's like it's sort of, there there yeah. is a mishmash 
in my mind of like, you know, it's not the first time he did it, but I really feel like there is one time he did it in Silence of the Lambs. He definitely does it in Hannibal and he does it in Red Dragon. One of those movies, he does it like twice or so. And I know that they were, Ridley Scott was trying to make the okie dokie thing like a catchphrase, uh, which is sad. Um, oh, so. But I really like that. I also that... meant to go back and check to see if that is from the book because there's a couple things where you're just like there's things that are so weird and you go back and it's actually like in, in the, the fucking book. book and you're like okay Thomas Harris I don't know what you're thinking but... <laughs> and I, I do remember the last time I watched Manhunter Brian Cox wasn't is not my favorite Hannibal actor by any means but I'm trying to picture him delivering an okie dokie line and Maz Mikkelsen delivering an okie dokie line and Anthony Hopkins delivering an okie dokie line and I really can't picture either all three of them doing it and yet one of them had, was just basically forced to do it. And it's so sad. Natasha, you haven't talked in a while. Oh, I did not see Red Dragon. Oh, you didn't? No. Um, it's no. better than Hannibal. You watched Hannibal? Oh, yeah. And I was like, Ugh. Red Dragon is actually a lot like the... I almost said the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> Red Dragon is a lot like the Silence of the Lambs. But instead of Clarice and the Tooth Fairy, it's... Will Graham and the Red, Red Dragon. Because um, basically, so Silence of the Lambs. Oh wait, not the basically... Tooth Fairy. I'm sorry, the Tooth Fairy is Red Dragon. Yeah. The um Buffalo Bill. Yeah. Oh, okay. Silence yeah. of the Lambs is basically Red Dragon. They just creeps. switch out those two characters. Oh, okay. It's just now instead of the actually the parallels between the Red Dragon and Buffalo Bill are like they're basically the same, same killer, with... the same oh. drives. But it's all about transformation. Like they also, Thomas Hirsch is all about transformation. That's like his thing. Yeah. They also okay. switch it because the Silence of the Lambs is about Clarice, not about Buffalo Bill. But in Red Dragon, it's not really about Will Graham. It's more about the Red Dragon. And his yeah. story is just so... And that's another woman falling in love with a villain because she's the only one that can tame him. That's true. And it's that huge trope. They did it. It's actually a really romantic love story and she just can't save him. Reba is the number one best character out of that whole series. Uh, Mason Verger is the second best character. Um, But yeah, he... I don't want to spoil anything, Ray. You should just rent it. Yeah, I'm probably going to watch it once we're done. Did you watch the third season of Hannibal? Because that's the same story. Okay. I've watched like the first like half of the first season and for some reason I never went back to it but I it's not that I didn't like it I like love that stuff and I I stopped watching all my shows so I'm I'm watching something else and then forgot about it I also in Red Dragon it's like in all of these movies except for Hannibal which was the one that failed the most Hannibal Lecter is a very much a side character and it's like I just especially because I was having problems with the way that he was speaking and stuff I just actually don't care that much about him I like I do like the stories more I like what's happening in the science of the lambs I like what's happening in red dragon Hannibal failed in the movie in the show I'm totally into it but that's because they have time with all the episodes to kind of build that up in the books, I don't know if I would love Hannibal as much or as little I do in the movies versus the show. So what is your favorite version of Hannibal, Stevie, between books, movie, and show? Show. The show. Yeah. And then between the books and the films. Books. Books. Then you can sort of rate it like the the book, you know, for, for Hannibal. Just taking Hannibal as a character out of, you know, Red Dragon's my favorite Thomas Harris 
but the Hannibal in Silence of the Lambs. I mean, there's more there. There, he's yeah. he literally, like you said, he started as a side character, and he just he got elevated in Silence of the Lambs, and then everybody's like, "That's an amazing character. Go do more about him." And Thomas Harris was sort of like, "Okay." <laughs> wasn't he into writing Hannibal though the book Hannibal yeah and and I'm not entirely sure about how much the novel Hannibal was like him wanting to do that okay but Hannibal Rising he sort of basically got told like got if you don't to do it, it yeah we will get somebody else to do no it no love and we noticed Martha De Laurentiis I hope you're not listening to this <laughs> no I'm it's constructive um I can move into my internet portion which is very short. So um, I wanted to open with, um, I got a Creep Corner story. Yay! It was not sent to us randomly. I begged, like normal, <laughs> that I said I wasn't going to do. But I creeped over to someone's Tumblr blog who loved Anthony Hopkins and his Hannibal. And I, I invited them to write something. So thank you, because that's always like a blessing. Because they can either ignore my message or be like, what are you talking about? And get away from me. So this is from Rachel, who is cannibalistic.tumblr.com. And I believe her Tumblr is strictly the Hannibal films. But I think she watches the show, but it's like a, it's like the films. Um, so she says, My love for scary movies began when I was 10 years old, when my mom let me watch Silence of the Lambs with her. I know that's weird, but it didn't... Oh, I know it's weird, but it didn't scare me. Actually, there was something about Anthony Hopkins acting that drew me in. What I now know as an adult was that it was because of Hopkins acting and not so much the scary stuff like the murders or the FBI. In interviews, he's talked about how he reads scripts hundreds at a time and gets into characters by over-practicing over and over and over again. He has a way of knowing exactly how the character would deliver the lines. Which is super creepy and very cool, actually. Yeah. I'm adding mm -hmm. that. This is my commentary, sorry. Um, he also would stay in character on set, which scared his coworkers. His craft and dedication made me love Hannibal because he knew how to make the character charming. We have not used that word. This is me again, sorry. That We haven't used that word once tonight, and a lot of people do remember to qualify Hannibal as very charming and very empowering and like mag magnetizing yeah um i apologize for not using those descriptors earlier his charm worked on 10 year old me <laughs> for sure i wanted to watch that movie over and over again i wanted him to escape i wanted this cannibal to get out of his cell and be free in the world most people would want him behind bars in real life but viewers and readers wanted hannibal to be free that's due to Harris's writing, Jonathan Demme's directing, and of course, Hopkins' dedication to the character. Dr. Hannibal Lecter is a timeless character creeping out of creeping out viewers for over 25 years and readers for over 30. I love suspense and horror to the point that is what I focus on as a writer. So thank you, Thomas Harris, for writing the Hannibal Lecter series, and thank you, Anthony Hopkins, for delivering such an amazing performance. It's what made me who I am today, an aspiring author who wants to scare readers and viewers with characters like Hannibal. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. that's great. Thank you, Rachel. Again, you saved us because <laughs> our episodes are always missing when we don't have like an outside person who loves the character that we're covering to kind of take a moment to gush over them. 
So thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, uh, she's at cannibalistic.tumblr.com. And then other, my other titty bits. I don't want to <laughs> say that. Sorry. My tidbits. <laughs> but first time I was like, titty bits. That's the word. <laughs> Jonathan Demi, who is the director of The Science of the Lambs, who also passed, I think, last year. He said, when he's describing Hannibal Lecter, he said, he describes him as a good man and a humanitarian that's trapped inside an insane mind. Which, again, I feel like that's a better description of the Hannibal from the television series because this the film's Hannibal seems so cruel. But then yeah. again, he is just talking about the Hannibal from The Silence of the Lambs. And he does seem more poised even though he's so grotesque when he speaks well that's the advantage of having 39 episodes to build out this character as opposed yeah. to under two hours and you know as we, as, as we said in the silence of the lambs 18 minutes yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh anthony hopkins was talking about working on the film and he said jonathan's idea was that hannibal needed to be pale and convinced me to stay out of the sun <laughs> <laughs> and it was Anthony's idea to have like dark slicked back hair. Boo. Hate it. You shouldn't have done that. <laughs> and then it was also Anthony's idea to have like a very skin tight prison uniform. He said that that would suggest total control, which I'm kind of trying to figure out what does having a skin tight uniform well, have to do with control? Maybe it's that sense of, you know, because you think about baggy, you know, think of like Orange is a New Black or whatever and everybody wearing the baggy yeah. kind of clothes. And it's like, maybe it's trying to go like more towards the tailored thing of like he's gotten them like, no, I can't have any of that, you know. It's definitely different. Yeah. I mean, it's I like it. I'm not going to complain. I mean, you kind of already have the upper hand. You're in the crazy part of a prison. <laughs> someone pointed out, or someone from YouTube pointed out, um, that when Silence of Lambs came out, it was like 90s America obsessed with serial killers. And it was like the perfect time for something like Silence of the Lambs to come out. Yeah. Um, and I actually think that, uh, I, I'm just assuming that Silence of the Lambs is what helped the X-Files get recognition on air when they began. Because it's like a FBI, it's procedural, um, and they didn't, re I don't think they had well, much of Jordan that. Well, Foster and who's the main girl in X-Files? Jillian, Jillian Anderson. Anderson. Yeah, they had like kind of the same haircut too. Actually, I think yeah. if I remember correctly, I could be wrong. I think Jillian actually auditioned auditioned for Silence of the Lambs. Oh, either that, that or she or she auditioned for Hannibal. She definitely auditioned for Hannibal. I don't know if she auditioned for there Silence was some, of the Lambs. There was some crossover there. Oh, she, she might have been, been a little too young. If you for... look at, she was because she was too young for yeah, the X Files. She was uh, way too young for the X Files. Um, if you watch the yeah, first episode of great. the X Files and I had you Scully see, right here for years. if you see <laughs> dainty Jillian Anderson yeah. with her power suit on walking into the office, it's so much like it the is. Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. So I just gathered not very many um, funny, witty Tumblr tags for um, <laughs> just like silence or, you know, uh, Anthony Hopkins style posts. Swallow Me was one of them. And then um, one, I think it was like a gift set between Clarice Starling and Hannibal Lecter. And it said, I will not foster this kind of behavior. <laughs> Get it? And then the third one was um, the, something that was also, it was probably like Clannable. It was like Clarice and Hannibal. And it was said, um, the notebook could never. 
<laughs> Which I've never seen the notebook, but I get I get it. Um, would you like to add anything before we close? Read the books, watch the movies, oh my gosh. watch the show. Okay, we should make Stevie Pick go. Pick your favorite. We should make Stevie go first for the food. Oh yeah. Or do you food? want us to go first? What's Eric's the did... food thing? So every that I can't now say human brain because he said every yeah. start of the close we think of a food that the villain would be. So yeah. Eric very intelligently said sneakily. Brains. Yeah. Um, so we cannot beat that, so we won't try. Okay, what food would Hannibal Lecter be? Brains is also good because he kind of looks all pale and puffy like a brain. He would be <laughs> ham on a barracle. What's that? That's a very rare ham from Spain. <laughs> he's a big... Which you would know, which you would know like about. Which yeah. you would know about because it actually happens in the show. They have the... Oh, yeah, the ham, With yeah. Dr. Sutcliffe and he does ham. Ooh, that's disgusting. <laughs> that's right you're vegan yeah uh, it's always going to be disgusting Hammond, Hammond's Hannibal's got to be some kind of meat yeah have you seen a movie called Silence of the Hams no that was a non Mel Brooks parody <laughs> film from the 90s and it starred Billy Zane oh funny yeah it's good and um oh god I can't, I'm not going to remember his name the guy that plays Hannibal Lecter in Silence of the Hams is that one guy that was so popular in the 90s, and I will not. Oh, man. Anyway, look it up. Whatever. Um, he would find this so inappropriate, but I want to say, like, when you chop tofu up for, like, scramble, like a scramble. But he wouldn't like that. He, would, oh, that, he wouldn't like that at all. Because it, <laughs> it, it represents kind of like a bland, like, open slate, and that's not really who he is. So maybe I shouldn't say that. I'm just thinking more of his appearance. Like, the white shirt and the skin. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot what it's called. Oh, well, I can't pronounce what it's called. Not that I forgot. But for some reason, there's a new craze going around where they're serving raw chicken as like <gasps> um, a sushi dish, or they're just searing it and then whatever, or steak tartare. Mm, steak tartare, I'll go for, but yeah. none of those raw, raw chicken. Well, the, for some stuff. reason, that's becoming a thing. And for some Is reason, that really a thing? That's one of those people things. aren't getting sick, but I think it depends on where you're going. I mean, I think in China or Japan, raw chicken actually isn't, it isn't as crazy as it is here. On our last podcast, I did a cop out for the food and I'm just going to take that pull that card one more time and go for you were mentioning chicken and so in the television series Hannibal there's a moment where he brings Will Graham some it's like black chicken silky chicken in a broth and that's poisonous or messes with your it's whatever is that specific variety of chicken that animal, when you consume it, whatever was wrong with Will's brain. Yeah, there was some evaluation of like that was actually the worst possible thing he could bring. Yeah, but it he made us. Uh, he wouldn't know because he knew what was wrong. Worse, and it made him hallucinate and feel crazy. And so, hate to bring up the television series again, but I'm just gonna say Hannibal Lecter is this chicken soup that's made. To feel very calming and soothing and helpful and done in a kind way because it's chicken soup and you're sick. But it's 
poisonous and it harms you. And Actually, that's, you a, feel, that's that great. That is a great answer. A, yeah, that's Thanks. a great Hannibal. It's a cop-out because I stole yeah. it from the show. He, no, it's yeah, not. No, it's, it's it is perfect actually... because he's a psychiatrist and that's where you go to when you yes, have a problem. That's literally season one Hannibal is the... But he's a psychiatrist to get into people's master. heads. Oh yeah, gaslight, gaslight soup. soup. No, that's actually <laughs> Wait, really, really perfect. That's the name of my next album. <laughs> um, okay, uh, is Hannibal hot or not? Yeah. Why? He's kind of dapper. He has those suits. Dapper, yeah. I feel like he wouldn't be embarrassing to take anywhere because he knows how to like talk with some kind of sophistication. Um, he needs help in the shoe buying department. But that's <laughs> yeah. Fun. And he can like... I like to eat. He likes to cook. I'm not going to question it. Ha! Oh, no. No, Natasha, no. Um, after the conversations we've been having tonight, or at the end of the night, I want to say yes, but I am really just thinking about his performances in the films that I watched. And I am disappointing my 14, 15-year-old self I don't, I'm not into it. I don't like mm. it. I don't, I know that up. he's charming, but he's mean and he likes being mean to people and he has super greasy hair. <laughs> oh yeah. And I don't like his delicate limbs. <laughs> um, and so I will, I have to say no. Um, Stevie? Oh yeah. It's Hannibal Lecter. I mean, yeah. I know. God damn it, you're right. <laughs> I like how elusive he is too. Like, he can just get away from a place. The best thing, which was so disappointing in Hannibal when he got away and you didn't really know why, but in Silence of the Lambs, you understood why. They shot the dude's leg, they yeah. thought it was Hannibal, and then he goes back and he takes the guy's face off of his face in the ambulance, and you're like, that's how you did it. That's sneaky. It was so great. Uh, yeah, I remember that was one of those things, those moments in the theater, you're like, the way that he was laying on the ground, too. The guy was so close to his face, and he's like, we're going to get help for you. It looked like he had his face, like, chopped up and, like, pulled apart. He almost didn't Come look on, like guys. himself. And oh, then the fact that God. that guy was, like, he thought it was his friend, so he's, like, up in his face trying to keep him calm, and it was just, like, Hannibal Lecter. Blah. And then they didn't do it in Hannibal, and I was like, how the fuck did he get away and he's on a plane now because really scott and why did no one think his little makeshift arm rest thing was like weird a little, a little suspicious <laughs> a little suspicious <laughs> all right that was hannibal that's about what i expected <laughs> I'm, a, I'm he's very dapper i'm glad that you pulled that word out in the midnight hour so appropriate so we are going <laughs> to next month february we will be doing um, a film that no one's ever heard of because I noticed how unpopular our um, Bad Influence podcast episode was starring James Spader and Rob Lowe as the villain. Um, it was so very unpopular and I just thought I wanted to recreate that and go for <laughs> a film called King of New York from the early, I think it's like 91 or 1990 or something like that. But it is Christopher Walken, and our villain is Larry Fishburne, who you might recognize from the Hannibal TV series as Jack Crawford. As Jack Crawford. Um, so, oh my god. And it was Larry Fishburne back then, not Lawrence Fishburne. <laughs> he is the villain, and he plays side-by-side side with Giancarlo Esposito, who you might have recognized from Breaking Bad, who oh. we have also covered. 
Yeah. Yeah. Gustavo Fring. Oh, he was hot. Um, I am terribly excited for this, so... There's a lot of good-looking people in that movie. Oh, my God. I mean, Christopher Walken's fucking hot, so it's gonna be great. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Tumblr, and Twitter under Hot Bad Pod. Um, I used to say that you could just Google that and find us, but I did that and recently, and it's not so much anymore, but just, you know, just go, you're smart. Just go to those yeah. websites and then just type it in. Um, you can listen to us on SoundCloud. You can listen to us on iTunes. Uh, send us Creep Corner stories. Yeah. Like the one Rachel sent us tonight. I reached out to her and she obliged. But if you'd like to send us something yourself about any villain whatsoever, just any villain that you find attractive and you love and adore, please send that to us through Tumblr or through our Gmail account, which is hotbadpod at gmail.com. We will be thankful to be able to read that for you at the end of each episode. Stevie, um, would you like to shamelessly like promote yourself in any way sure. whatsoever? If you want to find out my opinions about Hannibal, see all the things that I have to say about it, you can find me on Tumblr as existingcharactersdiehorribly.tumblr.com. <laughs> and I'm also on Twitter as SM. I think that anybody that watches the television series Hannibal and has a Tumblr account, they know who you are because you're like famous. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's her. It's a small world. <laughs> I'm really excited to actually like binge through the show now. We've had two 16 ounce mimosas. Stevie is harder than we are and she's on our, her I'm third. just older and I'm vegan with a back liver. injury, so I don't even... You want some coffee? Oh, or... well, I'm going to cut all this out, so... be <laughs> like, please. Have a good night, everyone. Good night. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. There no. we go. Oh, yeah. Have a happy... Well, you, ha you had a happy new year. Yeah. There we go.